So, Drapes, yesterday on my way to the arena, I walked by the Piglet statue, and there was some, looked like some Spurs fans there taking pictures out there. And that's mm-hmm. a wonderful piece of art, but I always wonder, you know, why couldn't they have a statue out there in front of the arena? And if they did have a statue, why couldn't it be of our next guest? Because without him, we wouldn't have the Kings in town to talk about. Uh, he is the aviation and construction consultant at Greg Lukenbill Consulting, the man who brought the Kings to Sacramento from Kansas City, Greg Lukenbill. Greg, how are you today, sir? I'm all right, brother. I like your uh, correlation to the uh, sculpture in front of the arena because if you've got people uh, from San Antonio, I think you said, out there taking pictures of that, it gives a little national footprint to the building and the sculpture. Yeah, yeah. Um, and more and more importantly, Sacramento, by yes, the way. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, what do you appreciate the most about the current Kings, Greg? The Well, you're talking about the franchise or are you talking the team, about the team, really. Basketball? I'm talking about the team, but obviously we'd love to know what you think of, uh, of it any which way you want to go. Uh, I think they, I think they, and I don't know the specific names of people, but the, the guy that they've got behind the scenes that is the uh, guy that's arranging for the uh, current upgrade of the talent to get us where we need to be is doing a great job. And um, I think the general direction of the franchise is good. I think, um, I think, I think they're going to, they're going to, if they stay the course that they're on, they will be uh, up. Uh, in the playoffs, uh, step by step, to the point where they'll get back to where they were at our at our peak, of course, which was um, about 2001. Greg Kyle Draper here, man. Happy to have you on the Drive Guys here. When when you uh, brought the Kings here, help bring the Kings here. What was the vision, and how does it compare to where the franchise is right now? Well. I think that the franchise is actually up Sacramento's game quite considerably because it's the anchor tent of the facility, and the facility is is world class, and actually probably helped get the the new theater downtown built as well, the Safeco Credit Union Theater, mm-hmm. and uh, and that you know that. So I just guess that what I'd say is that the the if you just think of the uh, franchise as the catalyst, the catalyst that kind of up Sacramento's game a little bit to a more national level than it was prior to that which we've been begging for, for, in my opinion, for decades prior to my existence. And, and, and you got to remember one thing about Sacramento. It was a internationally renowned, nationally celebrated city in the 19th century. And so when I was a kid growing up, I could never figure out what the hell happened to us in the 20th century. <laughs> and I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> I'm yeah. not joking, by the way. I'm yeah, I understand. I mean, yeah. And so I think we're on a, on a better track. I think we missed a very critical time window that I was dancing with in the late 80s, early 90s that is closed now. And I think it's going to be a much more challenging to break the cycle because of the extraordinary amount of uh, proliferation of not just television money, but today what is basically media money on a much larger and broader scale, not just not just on a national basis. So that you know the franchises are now worth so much more money and it's so much more difficult to get in the circuit of what that is on a shared revenues basis, which is where the value, all the value is driven from. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but I'm thanking God that we got the Kings in here and held on to them, thanks to David Stern and to Vivek and, uh, and, and to the uh, other uh, two guys uh, or groups, if you will, that the three billionaires that David brought in to save us from ourselves. 
Greg Lukenbill, our guest, of course, the guy who brought the Kings uh, here. You mentioned the 90s, and I remember being at a media conference at which you held up, um, I believe it was a letter, uh, and it showed that there were a handful of uh, Major League Baseball teams that had committed to playing exhibition games in the stadium, Would should the stadium ever be completed. So I know you were working hard to bring Major League Baseball to Sacramento full-time. I've heard stories about you meeting with the Seattle Mariners, all that said, what do you make of reports that the A's could be coming here on a temporary basis? What do you think that might mean for Sacramento if that were to happen? I don't know how old you are, brother, but uh, do you remember something called the March on Baseball? I was not here then, but I do remember that. Yes, yes. Well, anyway, so that was 22,000 people from Sacramento went to an Oakland A's game. And uh, the uh, had a, uh, had a, I had a great relationship with the A's management uh, and people. And uh, uh, a direct relationship with them. In fact, one of my favorite quotes in life is from Charlie Finley in 1978 when I first talked to him about buying the A's. But they could have bought for $10 million in 1978. Wow. Um, <laughs> and no kidding. I'm, I'm <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm dead serious. Okay. And, and, um, and, and, and the quote I got, because he was ready to go. And, and, and it was a different world in the late 70s. But, uh, the, but his favorite quote, my favorite quote was from him was, Bullshit walks, money talks. Mm-hmm. And so, and if you're meaning, if you got the money, I'm ready to make the deal. <laughs> That's kind of what that translates into, okay? So, um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of, you remember the Raiders deal. I mean, the Raiders deal was for real. It was done. The city, the Sacramento, to their credit, uh, everlasting credit, Walt Slipe, city manager, uh, the entire city council, all nine votes, by the way. I got a 9-0 vote at the convention center for a city council meeting that agreed to give Al Davis the unprecedented franchise fee amount of $50 million in cash uh, if we could get an agreement to give to bring the team here. And how we got there was no different than the situation we're in right now. We did a feasibility study to analyze the impacts of the uh, tourism ramifications and the expanded footprint of, of of entertainment and so forth, if we had a facility and the Raiders were in that facility and what it would do for all the people leaving Sacramento and going to the Bay Area for national franchises and so forth, or just in, generally the Bay Area beyond even sports, to uh, reverse that migration and bring the Raiders fans to Sacramento. And and because because it was so it was so huge, okay? It was easy to give Al Davis $50 million to bring the team here. Unfortunately, that deal didn't happen. No fault of Al Davis, by the way. Zero fault of Al Davis. It was 100% on us uh, and my partner. But aside from that, I take the responsibility for it for not having absolute control of the franchise as opposed to the value of 1%, which is what caused us getting the Raiders here. If I had 1% more, that would have happened in a slam-dunk basis. Wow. And, and that franchise today is worth, what, $5 billion? <laughs> and I mean, it's wow. just comical to look back at the absolute stupidity of what that situation was and how that national window, you could feel it, because I used to do national benchmarking every every year about where we rated in so many different areas like television, radio, you know, mm-hmm. uh, media. But the thing, we have the same problem now. You know, they, they just, uh, the All-Star game in Indianapolis is a kind of a telling of, of that as a good me- benchmark to measure by, right, which is the... I, I came close in 88 uh, uh, when the NBA was in a much different status uh, to getting the All-Star game here uh, in the in the big building in the first year. It's the second year, 88 and 89. I tried to get it here. But um, 
in the second of the, the two buildings that I built, yeah. the one between between the the temporary building and Golden One. But the short of it is, is the same problem, right? We're still kind of a backwater on a national scale. We have no hotel rooms here. Our tourism sucks. The way we handle tourism sucks, in my opinion. And uh, we got a long ways to go to expand our footprint to get the message about, about out about Sacramento. But we're gaining on it a little bit at a time. But it's no, it's not, it's, it, who's it? Like, who's that? <laughs> Hello? Yes, yes. Yeah, you there, Greg? Yeah. Yeah, I got some message in the background said, please leave a message. Oh, oh, yeah. no, oh sorry. That's not us, yeah. right? <laughs> What's Jay doing back over there? No, we still here. No, we, we didn't. Uh, none of that made the air. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. don't be. Don't be. That's no problem. <laughs> Go right ahead. Okay. So, uh, so anyway, so, you know, I'm just trying to uh, be clear that uh, we're in a great place in Sacramento, but it, it, the way the way the franchise is approaching it is probably correct. Uh, but it, you know, the thing is we've had a couple of like the Raiders is a good example, but you know, we're the best baseball market in America. And I think, I think major league baseball knows that. I mean, I actually met with, with, uh, what the hell was his name? Uh, this goes back in the early eighties in his office in New York. Um, the commissioner in New Manfred? York, I, I, say it again, uh, commissioner Manfred. He's the commissioner. No, now. it was before uh, him, before but, him, but league or before even before him, him. Faye Vincent. Peter Ubrah, Peter Ubrah, yeah. You no before you the guy before Ubrah. Peter Ubrah succeeded the guy that I met with. Ubrah in '84 did the, the Olympics down in LA. Yep, you remember yep, that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, so uh, no, I never met Peter Ubrah actually. It was a guy. I don't know why I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. That's uh, all right. I haven't actually thought about the commissioner of Major League Baseball 1981, 82. Is Louis Kuhn? I don't know. It was Bowie Kuhn. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, anyway, I'm just saying that you know we're 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 if if you could if we could put together the right kind of of analysis and 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 I think complete the building that I started out there, which they still have control of, that would be the right move in my opinion. Nothing's changed, uh, and there's a lot of Oakland correlations to that, oddly enough, because I was a big fan of of. Um, um, Oh, good Lord. I can't believe this. The guy that Henry Kaiser. Yeah. And Kaiser Shipyards, right? And Henry yeah. Kaiser was the guy that facilitated and actually personally managed the development of the Oakland Coliseum Arena Complex himself, personally. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was a heavyweight guy from, from World War II, you know, the Kaiser ship, uh, ships, ships, and the, uh, so forth, the Liberty ships that were built down there in Richmond and the whole Oakland area and, and Hawaii and so forth. He was a dynamo on the West Coast. And, um, you know, was one of the main reasons that we were able to win the, the war uh, with the Liberty ships that he was he built. And he had a direct relationship with FDR. But they, they, what a great what a great leader for Oakland at the time. And the dynamics of what that port became is also a result of Henry Kaiser's influence and so forth. So what a great person to have in Oakland. Right. So and so he was a good role model, as was Jack Kent Cook down in Los Angeles, same era that we're talking about, who who actually uh, took on the Oakland, I mean, the Los Angeles Coliseum mm-hmm. uh, uh, Commission and ended up building the forum. And he did it on, you know, he built it in about 12, 13 months. He did it uh, on, a, on a crazy, uh, um, you know, instantaneous decision to just tell the U.S., the sports arena people who tried to hijack him or basically, you know, extort him that he just he, he dropped dead. I'm going to build my own building. And he goes over the forum in a little different area there in Inglewood. And builds it, and uh, 
and turns out to start the genesis of what became, you know, the original, you know, the Lakers and then pulled in the hockey team. Of course, Lakers, he brought from Minneapolis and so forth. So no different story. It's kind of the same story. It's it's a California story, you know, that that goes back um, really to um, uh, a lot of the migrations. I mean, think about where the A's came from, mm-hmm. Kansas City, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, what a, what a roadmap, right? So not, not a hard roadmap to follow. But, uh, you know, I mean, we're in a place where if we get the facility built, we probably get both franchises, a soccer franchise and a, and a baseball franchise or I don't. I think our odds against the NFL now are pretty not, not good. It's not right. good that we get an NFL franchise just because of the fact that the Raiders moved to Vegas. The odd thing about it is when I had the Raiders, when the stadium was under construction, and we've got about twenty five million invested in that hole in the ground out there that's got everything. We were ready to put up. We were just about to contract to put up the seating structure. That's how close we were. So all the water, sewer, drainage, power, gas, telephone, cable. Uh, a good chunk of the, well, obviously the, the the ring the ring road all the way around and the and the and the parking lot and that type of thing um, uh, were installed and I mean it, it was about and then there's a there's a slurry wall that matches kind of what they had to do in Oakland ironically enough same construction techniques and so forth 1,200 feet long to, so we could lower the water level around the facility so that we could build a facility lower. So they have permanent pumping at the Oakland Coliseum since the day it was open, both both the arena and stadium, but particularly the stadium. And in our case, we did the same thing. And once that thing ended and the whole thing kind of blew up on me because of the fact that, you know, I got out and the whole thing went south on us and the economy changed, the banking environment changed in the, well, there was a kind of a financial downturn of commercial real estate in the early nineties. And so, and, and the partnership kind of, because of what happened with the Raiders deal, which was a done deal. And we had a signed deal with the guys that actually bought the team from me a year before we had a signed deal to sell them the arena and the stadium, all 500 acres and the old arena property on a, no, I'm sorry, scratch the old arena, just the arena and the stadium and the, uh, and the Kings, um, uh, for $212 million. And it would have given us the money to complete the stadium and obviously make the Raiders deal a slam dunk type of a thing. But same problem. Yeah. Well, same, same yeah. problem. My, my partner's killed the deal. I'm not making that up. But there's a, there's a paper trail a mile long that supports every word I'm saying here that's probably going to end up in a book or in a court case one of these days. Who knows? Well, we, we appreciate your time very much, and we're very grateful for what you did. We were, you know, we talk about the Kings so much. We were talking today about what this city would be like if you hadn't made the move. So um, thank you very much, Greg. Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you on behalf of all Kings fans. You know, we 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 get anxious about the Kings, but without you, we wouldn't have them to get anxious about. So thanks for that. Thanks well, for your time. Let me just add, let me just say one yeah. thing, okay? Yeah, sure. Because this is the most important thing of all. Thank you, David Stern. Yeah. Period. Okay. Uh huh. And he loves Sacramento fans. You know, I, I have he he did a I did a short uh, program at Golden One in 2017. And uh, and I met David the day after they did the stern walkway there uh, at, and opened the building right in in 2016. And I can tell you, I had breakfast with David with David the next morning for about an hour, and I asked him a very simple question uh, as to why Sacramento, as opposed to all the other franchise involved situations he was involved with, whether it would have been Charlotte or. Uh, New Orleans prior to that, but, but, you know, when I first got in the NBA, New Orleans was leaving and heading to Salt Lake City and, and Vegas, uh, Seattle and and Vancouver and that type of thing, right? And and the um, and the answer was very simple. 
Sacramento's fans. Wow. I'm not mm. making that up, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. He loved Sacramento and what the Sacramento Kings franchise did for him, for the NBA, and for the league as a whole with the whole footprint that we laid out with the fan support, with the advanced season ticket sales, with the naming rights, and with the, and with building our own facility that if you stop and think about it, you know, the reason we got so much grief for being the oldest building in the NBA was we, we because we were the first new building in the NBA. That's right. That's and everybody right. else copied us like a bunch of dominoes because we built a national footprint. And we were the first franchise financed by a major bank in the NBA. I'm not making that up. I mean, yeah. there used to be a cash and carry kind of an environment in the 70s and the 80s. That's why only wealthy people ended up doing it. Other than, if, And then subsequently, think about it. Do you remember when they took the Boston uh, Celtics public subsequent to that? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was just no big fi- uh, facility for financing. Uh, there was no footprint or no template for financing franchises or p- private facilities in the United States in the 80s. Yes. And so we, we built that template, which really helped David accelerate that in thing in, into a big snowball for the NBA. And David loved that, and he knew it, and he used to talk about it, and he did a, he, we did a little recording of that that kind of references that for me when I did the History of the Kings at Golden One in 2017. Nice gotcha. talking to you guys. Okay, happy trails. All Thank right. you very much, Thanks. Greg Lukabel. Right. We appreciate it. Uh, speaking of fans, tell you why KD got into it with a couple of fans in Dallas uh, here as we roll on. Uh, how? How about that? He could have had the – how much did he say he could have had the uh, – Raiders, the A's uh, four, or eight, eight? ten million, baby, ten million, ten million. Ten million. Yeah, at the time it's probably like, oh, ten, ten million. million, right? Come on, Charlie <laughs> Finley, you're out of your mind now. Yeah. Come on, yeah. And I know yeah. I've heard the stories that the Raider thing very nearly happened. I've had people tell me, oh, it was very close. Yeah, Jay was just telling me, you know, he had some insight into that. But yeah, it sounds like that was all but done. The Sacramento Raiders. All but done, Kyle imagine? Draper. It's hard to imagine. It, yeah, it's hard it's, to imagine, right? It'd be so different. So different. And, you know, one thing Greg talked about is how when the Kings came on board here, it sort of raised the profile of Sacramento. And, you know, we didn't get to it. Uh, but I, I wanted, was going to ask him about could a second team raise it even more, you know? And so I think when you look at the landscape of sports right now, he mentioned NFL is not happening. WNBA probably not going to happen now that there's a franchise right down the street. Baseball, eh. But MLS, yeah, that that's probably the next most likely achievable thing for the city of Sacramento. I think he had the most easily the most optimistic view on that of anyone we've talked to. Yeah this week about that and he also said he threw baseball in there too get the stadiums built yeah he said build it they will come yeah you know but that's a lot of money and Mm -hmm. and it's no guarantee who's willing to foot that bill yeah to build that the ace thing is just so aggravating because a week ago again you were you were on the road with the team and jay and i are sitting here a week ago going look at this story in the athletics sacramento was the front runner and since then there's been nothing so it's just typical of this story with the a's I don't know that anybody really knows, and while nobody knows, you do have some people that are sending out disinformation this way and disinformation that way, so we're caught up in it. But I do think there's a chance it happens that the A's come here, 
Ha- have we heard basis. from the A's themselves? No. So, well, I mean, not like directly. John Fisher or anybody. Like, this is where we want to go. This is where we want to play the next three we, years. Uh, I like, think what they're saying, we have three options. We're, we're talking Oakland, and I think they've said, we're we're talking Oakland. We're hoping to get something done. And then if not, we have Oakland and we have Salt Lake City. That thing. Mm. Yeah. And Salt Lake Salt looks Lake like City. it's. Good but it's looks like but... they're willing to ro- ro- uh, roll out the red carpet for the A's, though. I don't see how, and you know better than I, how, how they could make the TV money there that they would make here, or certainly in the Bay Area. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It's, yeah. it's yeah, it's, you know, it's it's not a, a major market. And if I'm correct, the D-backs and the Rockies also share that oh, market. Yeah. I think it's like a couple of territorial. Yeah. And so they'd have to figure that out as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, as we've said a million times, I don't even know what I want to happen there. Because uh, Oakland A's coming here, it'd be a little awkward. Uh, maybe they just end up staying in Oakland. We could certainly live with that. Probably the best case yeah, I think scenario, so. right? With a different owner. With a different owner. Sell the team, right? At what point do the owners look at this and go, well, we're out on this. This guy has us jumping through hoops. You know, it, it would have to be because as we see it, Major League Baseball wants a franchise in uh, Vegas. Looks like it's going to be the A's. But the owners would have to push out John Fisher. Sort of like what we saw, and it's totally different, but the mechanism to get it done, sort of like Donald Sterling with the Clippers. Yeah, like, they would all to have do. to. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Like it's got to be to a point where they have to say, we have to do this. Right, and, exactly. Yeah. For the fans, good of the game or whatever. Fans being yeah. upset with a guy is not quite. Right, that's not, that, that doesn't reach that level. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, the only thing we know is that all the people that should know say something needs to happen very soon. We even, yes. even though it's next season, they need to know now where the A's are planning to play next season. So hang in there. Hopefully we'll find out soon enough. And when we come back, uh, Kevin Durant got into it with yeah. uh, some fans last night. And did you hear about who was heckling Jalen Brunson at the three-point Contest. I did hear about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, he heard some foul language. And from whom? The answer next year with the Drive Guys on Sacktown Sport. Happy Friday. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to, Jay, uh, to uh, pardon me, Greg Lukenbill for joining us uh, with some stories of the old days of Sacramento and how uh, oh, Raiders nearly became Sacramento Raiders. That almost happened. That was very close to happening. Very close. Very close. Talk about putting a city on the map. Yeah. I remember at the uh, the box office of Arco 2, you go into the box office, stand in line for will call, whatever, uh, and they had a model, a mock-up of what the baseball, well, actually it was a football stadium, what it would look like, and they had Raiders in the end zones. Yeah. And because, I don't know where that ever went. Somebody must have it now because that was the plan. It was like showing everybody, here we go. We're close to this. Sacramento Raiders. Think about that. You get the Raiders. You got the Kings. Maybe a baseball team. Somebody told me that. Somebody was telling me that, oh, the Seattle Mariners, uh, their owner was at Smullyan, came and was meeting with Luke and Bill at the the offices of the Arco 2 about maybe moving here and something happened. They start start yelling at each other or something. Really? Oh, man. You know, Greg Luke and Bill in some ways is like that William Wallace guy character that Phil Oates said. Phil Phil Oates, so we need somebody was to that be like guy. William Wallace. And at the time, Greg Lukenbill was was doing some of that. Was that guy. And, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you need that nowadays. Like, who's that guy 
person, woman, man, whoever it may be that's going to advocate for Sacramento at the highest of levels yeah. of these major league franchises. Yeah, and it's so hard now. Yeah, I don't. So think much that, money too. Uni- yeah, I don't think the areas are as unified. Not everybody's yeah. sure they want that. So anyway, thank goodness we still have the Kings. So close to losing. So them, close too. to right. Yeah, oh. twice. Would you say we would become Hartford? Hartford, sure. Yeah. Louisville, uh, uh-huh. Rochester, former home Rochester, Kings. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant last night taking the court with his sons against the Mavericks, and he overheard a female fan call him the B word. Have you seen the video on this? I have. Yeah. Yes. So he's yes. going out on the floor, and there's two people there, and it was early enough where the stands weren't full, the seats weren't full, so he turns around right away, and you can see it's a man and a woman. Apparently, it was it was the woman, uh, and he says, my thing was like, even though you call me a B-word as I'm running out with my back turned, people usually do that, call me coward, B, with my back turned, and it wasn't too many people around. I know you don't mean that. And I'm not going to get you kicked out because you paid your money for these tickets. You had a couple drinks. I understand how people get, but it's better ways to try to get my attention and talk to me other than call me a B word uh, out my name because you're protected in these arenas. What did you think of the video and his reaction? I thought his reaction was perfect. I did too. I, I, I thought, you know, and, and he's a better man than me because those people would be kicked out. Like they would not be allowed to stay in the game. He advocated them to stay in there i, I just and don't she was like oh you know she wanted to shake trying his to, hand yeah trying to dab him up oh. shake his hand and the guy's like i got a sports podcast and it's like what in in, in any society when it, where is that okay to just openly call somebody a beat you don't even know has never done anything to you you've never had interaction it, it's disgusting if you ask me and those fans do not deserve to be allowed in that arena did he really play the i've got a sports podcast card Yes. That, okay. Yes. I heard uh, Styles and Watkins talking about that today, and I wasn't sure of the context. I didn't know what they were talking yes. about. That the guy, guy was, said, yes. Oh, my yeah, God. You know, it's hard to hear, but yeah. that's one of the things you could hear. Yeah, and I got a sports podcast, and it's like, dude. I'd have thrown him out just for yeah, that. It's, and I'm surprised Kevin Durant, you know, uh, advocated for them to stay. I, there's no room in sports life for that. Like, when— what are we doing here as a country, as a society, where that's okay? Like, is it because they want to go viral? They try to go clicks or something? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But get those people out of here. He says, I can't go do nothing to you. It's going to mess up everything I've built up. There are better ways to talk to people. There are better ways to try to get attention. Better ways to indulge in a conversation with somebody besides trying to get a reaction out of them by calling them a bee. I could have easily got them kicked out, maybe banned them for a few weeks, but I'd rather have them watch me play. Really? He's taking a high road on that. He's oh. You wouldn't necessarily, or I wouldn't necessarily expect him to take the high right, road. Right, not at all. Not at all. The, especially the way he shot over to them. Like, as soon as he heard yep. it, he he went right over to uh-huh. them. And um, uh, it, kudos to him, man. He's a better person than I am because uh, they would be out of there with the quickness. And it's just, uh, it, that. but that goes to show you, Whitey, too. And I've been in arenas. You've been in arenas. And I haven't heard it in Sacramento, really, but. Some fans, like, some of the things they say, it's just ridiculous. Like, I I just don't get it. And I understand you got 20,000 or 18,000 around you. Maybe you feel like you could say it in anonymity. Um, I was in Boston uh, during a game. It was a playoff game when they were facing the Brooklyn Nets, and Kyrie 
was it was a return to Boston and somebody threw a water bottle at Oh him. yeah, that like, was Remember that? that? Was awful, it's like yeah. what are we doing? Like why why like what kind of vitriol and anger makes you do this to a person you don't even know? Yeah. You know? It's ridiculous. Yeah, part of it is to the people that are heaping out the abuse, they don't think of Durant or Kyrie as a person. Like we said, as soon as Durant turns around, like, what? They're, oh, oh, no, no, no. There was a story years ago in the 90s. There's a baseball player named Ken Caminiti. Yeah. He was on the Padres. Yep. And spring training, he for some reason, this guy's just riding him, riding him, swearing him at the whole game. And it's spring training. So Caminiti goes in, takes a shower. You know, his work is done. He comes up and sits by the guy. Really? It, yeah. It's like, hey, you know, what? what's up? And as you can imagine, entirely yeah. different story then, right? Oh, bad, it's yeah. like the people that are that are saying these things, it's almost like they don't think that that's really a person. Well, let me ask you this, because here's the, are you okay with the athlete confronting this person that says that? Yes. I mean, everyone's got to be careful. Right. Who knows you, if it's someone who's not stable, what they could do. But yeah, I think it makes the most sense just to come down and, and face to face with the person like, wait, what are you saying? Right. Right. What? I mean, and that would give you some satisfaction, right? To just see the person totally cave and, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. Yeah. But, you know, and I think about, you know, the some of the interactions Russell Westbrook has had with fans. Like, I'm of the belief that if something happens and you're a player, point to security. That person, get them out of here. We don't have room for that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the pushback is, well, these guys get paid millions of dollars. It should come with the territory. No, because you said it. Many people don't see them as humans. At the end of the day, they're humans first. They're at their jobs. They don't go to the, you know, your job and wherever it may be and heckle you and call you names. What gives you license to do that just because they play a sport? Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I don't know. To me, my line would be if somebody calls me a name and I can go back to them, I'd talk to them. Somebody says something about my family or something, you know, racist or something, mm-hmm. I, then I would be. You'd be, yeah. get them out. Yeah, I, I, yeah it's, it's. Because if you're going to be that, I don't want to talk to you about that. You just got to get out. Yeah. And, and and ultimately, though, you know, Durant said, you know, nothing really to gain from it. But the power that he does have supersedes anything. Kicking somebody out, it, it reminds me, I'm going to tell this story. And, and it's just a little bit of a flex, but I'm proud of this story to, to this day. I'm at a bar mm-hmm. in Boston. Yeah, you know, I'm known a little bit, you know, I frequent this place. I'm like, it's like cheers. You walk in drapes. What's up? You know? And this guy, he was bothering me. He was heckling, you know, just like drunk guy talking, you know, and the most power I had in that moment was the, my guy was the bouncer. I just went, mm-hmm. that was it. He got rid of him. And I felt so strong because trust me, I wanted to fight this guy. I wanted to push back. I wanted to curse him out. And so when I look at Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, all these athletes, their single greatest strength is being able to get these. And at the end of the day, as that person is leaving, they're thinking, man, now I, I paid all this money. I can't mm-hmm. even watch the game. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that that would be my tact, you know, because I, I think that shows some strength in, in that situation. So if you were Durant, you would have just said. I, I would have yeah. been like, that. yep, got to go. Mm-hmm. Got to go. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and don't tell me, well, you make a, a millions of dollars or you're soft. Yep, I'm soft. Now take your butt on out of here. You know, like, because there's no room for that. Like, I'm a, I'm a person. I'm a man. Treat me as such. You know, treat me with respect. I, I didn't say anything to you. I didn't call you out of your name. So why do it to me? The Joker, meanwhile, making triple-double history. That's next as we wrap things up. Drive guys on Sacktown Sports. How impressive is this? 
Nikola Jokic last night with a triple-double against the Wizards. That's not impressive, I know. By the way, you see Jordan Poole's not even starting now? Man, don't get me started on Jordan Poole. I saw that, and I feel bad for him. The Warriors ruined that man. Ruined that man. He got his money. Mm-hmm. He got paid, but he's a different person now uh-huh. out there in Washington. He's always been a different person. True. But then when you think about it, he's been a different person. And at first, the Warriors was the perfect organization for him. You got veterans, Steph, you know, they nurture you. Now you go to arguably the worst team franchise in the NBA. No structure, no veteran leadership, and it, it, it's sad what's happened to that kid. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Jokic with a triple-double against the Wizards. So now he has a triple-double against every team he's ever played against, and he's mm-hmm. only the third player to do that. Westbrook did it, Westbrook and did. Uh, LeBron was the other one. Yeah. With a triple-double against every team he's played against, which I think is 29. Uh, how about that? That's a type of history? Do anything for you? Is that a thing? Well, I, if I'm correct, our boy Sabonis is at six left, I believe. Like six teams, like six teams that okay. He, and I think OKC was one of them. Was number seven that he he just had a triple double a couple weeks ago. Uh huh. And so that is impressive. It, it I, I think that's something to be celebrated. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think we get too carried away with triple doubles just in and of themselves. If a guy's a triple double. Well, what did he do? Like, Domas is like, he's got you know, 20 points and 14 rebounds and 11 assists. That's great. But I, sometimes a guy can have, you know, like 11, 11, and 11, which is not is that nothing. Weak? Is that not, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's just like we, sometimes I think we get carried away. How did, the guy had a triple-double. How'd they lose? You know? It's like, well. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> it's a nice thing. It's a nice thing. Uh-huh. Where you anti-Westbrook when he was racking up those triple-doubles? Like, where yes. did they not mean as much? To me, because he it was, was chasing them a little yeah. bit. And to me, it was clear. It was clear that, especially defensive rebounds, like, somebody he was, was, he was He's yeah. flying yeah. in from, like, <laughs> the three-point line. And it worked. Steven Adams or somebody's right there to grab it, and Westbrook comes in. See, and- I thought, and you, you, I think, probably know him. Rondo did that when he was here, too, sometimes. You oh, Rondo like, would, oh. Yeah. It, it would. Yeah. Let me tell you a quick Rondo story. This was a game in Detroit. He was with the Celtics. And he had this streak of double-digit assists. Celtics are blowing the Pistons out. Blowing them out. Rondo stuck on nine assists. Doc Rivers kept them in the game. And this is like fourth quarter, but it's like a 25, 30-point <laughs> game. Game's over. Rondo got the 10th assist and then went to the bench. And it was a big, like, what are we, you know, focused on here what are we what's our goal here what's our prize here and you know doc his thought was i want my guy to keep his streak going on you know it's my player i'm gonna stick up for him it means something to rondo so i'm gonna play him but outside it was like see not a good look it's not a good look he's chasing the wrong things yeah you know like Giannis when he Missed the rebound. Yeah, yeah. missed the yeah. – yeah, and God tried. Yeah. They didn't count that, did they? No, they did not. No, they did yeah. not. And wasn't it Ricky Davis that dribbled to the wrong basket yeah. later yeah. up and missed it? Yes, yes. And got the rebound, and I don't think they counted they that They didn't count either. that either. Yeah. yeah. He, he tried to throw it yeah. off the other end. Yeah, yeah. So I'll get a rebound, then I got a triple-double. And it's yeah. like, nah. Yeah. So there's two things. You know, one, one is that guys – 
they realize that they get paid for their numbers, so I can understand that, that guys want to have good numbers because they want to make money. But other than that, it's just putting it backwards. The stats are supposed to be a measure of how you played, but if you're basing what you do on your stats, it's just totally upside down and clearly, oh, no, you're supposed to be about, you're supposed to care about winning the game, yeah. and then we'll see what your stats are. Have yeah. you ever felt Domas was chasing a triple-double or anything like that? Never. I don't think I've honestly. ever. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever felt that way about Jokic either. No, I, I agree. I, I Or his teammates were trying to, you know, get it for him or any. I, I never felt that. Uh-huh. I, I think they're aware of it. I, I know the crowd for sure is aware of it because, you know, as soon as it happens, you know, they cheer louder and everything. But yeah. I, I don't think it's something, you know, like this double digit, what is it, 38 games, a double double streak for Domas. I don't think. He's going out there getting rebounds that other people could get that would, you know, jeopardize his streak. I think he's just out there playing. I was just reading today about uh, Will Chamberlain when he scored 100 because that anniversary is coming up on March 2nd. Mm. And I'd never read this before. You know, his rec- he had the record going into that game. And it was like 70-something. And so according to this story, he, like, gets to 80, and people are chanting, 100, 100. Oh, and he was singing, Dude, I got 80. No one's ever had 80 before. <laughs> and I'm tired. Uh, right, right. <laughs> what more do you want? 80 yeah. pretty good. 100, okay. 100. Uh, you got to oh, give the people man. what they want. Yeah. Uh, it goes back to Carl Anthony Towns. Remember earlier this season when he dropped 62? And Great his coach, point. Chris Finch, afterwards is like, like Anthony Edwards, I think, took like five shots that game. Their or whole something. offense, Their whole broke, offense down. broke down because they were just feeding Cat. Yeah. And, and they got bit. They they lost that game. And uh-huh. their coach, Chris Finch, was livid about that. Yes. It's like yes. you're cheating the game. And, like, you know, those records are it, like, let's say 62 would have been the all. It's kind of cheapens it, you know? It, right. It, it, it's not in the flow of the game. Yeah. It's, it's like you're just trying to achieve that one stat. Yeah. Ideally, it's like, we won the game. Hey, you know how well you did? No. I mean, everyone right. knows. You know, you we'd like to think guys aren't aware. Everyone's aware, but still, you're trying to win the game rather than put up um, your point total or your yeah. triple-double total. It, it yeah. reminds me of Devin Booker when he dropped 70 in Boston. He was on fire. He was killing everybody. But they lost the game. Afterwards, in the locker room, he takes a big team picture and he's holding up Ooh. 70. It's like, would you do that? Like, you lost the game. You need to you win the game, you right? Can't, you can't do that. Right. That's Yes, I, I agree with you. It, it's almost like, you know, breaking a guy's ankles. You got to make the shot. Yeah. You got to finish it off. Yeah. You score 70, you score 80, whatever it may be. You got to win the game. If you didn't win the game. Uh... Yeah. It's like doing a dance after you sack somebody. When your team's losing by three right. touchdowns. Right. It's like, yeah, it's like scoreboard, bro. Like, be aware. And so, and I understand Devin Booker, you know, I loved it, but you lost the game. And so, yeah, there was some contentiousness the next time those two teams played because Jay Crowder was on that Celtics team. And Jay took umbrage to that and, they, you know, was a little physical with them next time they played. And he's not an old player now, so I know he was much younger then. I'm wondering if some of the veterans on that team maybe looked Scants at that end because you said it was right after they lost the game and he's yeah. posing for a picture with how many points This is in the no, but lost. this is teammates yeah. in the locker room yeah. with them. Yes, oh, they were, okay. yes, they were all behind it. Yes, they were all, all right. behind it. It was like they were celebrating it. I got to pull that shot up uh, right here. So it was like you know how the Kings do the defensive player to game yeah. crown. Yeah, that's how it was for Devin Booker in, in the locker room, but they lost the game. Oh, okay, yeah. 
I remember when he scored 70. Yes. Yeah, that reminds me of Kobe getting upset about some of his young Laker teammates and how foolish they were acting after they lost games. You remember that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and Kobe uh, didn't have that. What, you know, it wasn't playing that night. Look at that one on the right side. Wow, they're all in they're there. They're all in there. Yeah, and he's holding up to 70. Oh, you lost. You lost the game, right? <laughs> like, it's, it's like, dude. Is that Leandro Barbosa down there? Maybe yeah, not. We are. In the front? Maybe it's not. Yeah, that is. I'm a, <laughs> we got to get Leandro Barbosa on about that. You know, that's 70. Like, smile. what the heck were y'all thinking? You know, it's like you lost the game, man. Come on. What can Kings fans expect against the Clippers on Sunday? I tell you what, and I need I need to look at the Clippers' schedule. Uh, do they play uh, tomorrow or tonight? Because they're coming off a loss uh, to OKC, I believe. And so they're going to be a little hungry. Um, they play the, they're playing the Grizzlies right now. Ooh, so they'll probably get the win on that. Then they'll be off tomorrow and then face the uh, Kings on Sunday. Yeah, right now they're up uh, five, about six minutes left in the second quarter. They're up 41-40. You know, long ways to go. Yeah, it's a long ways. Yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be a tough, uh, tough matchup. You know, because think about it like this: if Devin Vassell is allowed to go off for thirty-two and cook whenever he wants, what do we do with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden? James Harden just just weave right pick, through yeah. us, right? I mean, how are we going to score this time? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so uh, the defense will be uh, supremely tested on Sunday. Now we know. The Kings can score with anybody. We saw it last year. But this Clippers team, man, you know, Kawhi is unstoppable. Paul George, you know, to me, one of the top two-way players we've ever seen. Like, and James Harden, one of the best ISO players ever. This this is going to be tough. We'll have a good trip. We'll talk to you Monday. We'll be seeing you on the TV. Yeah, thank you, Jay. Thank you for being with us. Have a great weekend. Stick around more. Great sports talk coming up on Sacktown Sports.